Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jim Rochelle. Today's episode 262. And joining us from South Africa is Kieran. How you doing today, buddy? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Jim. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. We were chatting before about uh, just living in Africa and some of the stuff going on there. Yeah, it's tough at the moment. Uh, just mentioning the load shedding. So we don't have electricity for 12 hours a day, up to 12 hours a day. At the moment, it's a little bit less. It's about four hours, but uh, it does go up to 12 hours, which is a, so it's a little bit tough in Africa at the moment. Yeah, they do that in California. I don't know how long they do it for, but they call it rolling blackouts. Yeah, it's, it's different. I think load shedding um, is a South African term that they, they gave it. Um, yeah, but I do know it's not something unique to South Africa. But we certainly, um, it's it's cost the economy a hell of a lot here because it's, it's been going on for quite a few years now. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. All right, let's let's talk a little bit about addiction and recovery. So yeah. first question I ask everybody is, tell me about your childhood and growing up. Okay. Um, so I was born into a, a, a family of, uh, my father was a, a an alcoholic, but he was a raging alcoholic, a very, very violent alcoholic. So my earliest memories as a child um, are basically running down the road from the, well, I was about three or four years of age, running down the road to the local petrol station to call the police because he was raging in the house, throwing things. Um, so that was sort of my introduction into the world. Um, you didn't have a phone in the house at the time? Sorry? You didn't have a phone in the house at the time? I, I, can't, I don't know if we did. I don't think we did. Um, or it was just to get away from him mainly and call the police. Hopefully they'd come back to the house, calm him down. But generally they'd come and, and, and they'd just talk to him and, and they wouldn't take him away and it would just carry on from where it left off. Um, so that's that's mainly, you know, a lot of my childhood was was trauma. It was, it was abuse, um, mainly uh, mental abuse. You know, I was called useless from the time I can remember. Um, there was a lot of physical abuse. Um, and then in my childhood, I'll be different males. Um, so I don't have many memories of my childhood um, up to the age of about, about 12, 13. Um, I, I don't remember Christmases or birthdays. I, I seem to have blocked a lot of that out. Um, there's a lot of traumatic events that other people witness that I don't remember. Um, my mom like gave what, me what, an example. What kind of yeah. things do other people remember that you forgot? Well, a story that my mom told me one time, and it actually made her cry, is that um, my brother, I had an older brother, I had three sisters and an older brother, they're all older than me, and um, the one day my brother, always getting me into trouble, he said to me, um, go ask daddy if he's, if he's drunk. <laughs> I think I was six years old at the time, and my mom said that, um, so I walked up to him all innocent as a six-year-old child, and I said, daddy, are you drunk? And he didn't say anything, he just stood up and he backhanded me. And she, she, when she told the story, she cried the first time she told me. She said, I, I went flying across the room and up against the wall, and she thought he'd killed me. You know, I don't remember that incident at all. Um, wow. And there's a lot of incidences like that, that that I just don't recall. Yeah, it's amazing because I, I have the same issue. I mean, I, my father, he was abusive as well, but I find myself also not remembering certain things. Like, yeah. I don't remember yeah. most of my childhood. Like you said, up to about maybe 12, 13, I don't remember much. Yeah, so there was another incident where my brother again got me into trouble. We 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 were at the at a, in the garage where we kept the cars. There were these little windows, these wooden square windows, and he convinced me to throw stones at them. And I remember clearly throwing the stones at the windows. And then my sister told me in later years that my father was sitting in the lounge, 
And I was about four years old at the, at the time, and he came out with a belt, took our pants down, and whipped us with the belt. I don't remember these incidences. It's, it's, quite, it's quite strange. And I remember breaking the windows, but I don't remember, which, which happened around the same time, being, being hit with the belt. So I, I certainly think that I've compartmentalized or, or, or pushed a lot of the memories aside that, that, you know, some of them come back from time to time. You know, there's like... Um, uh, last year, I had I, I had some memories that came back that I never knew existed. So they they definitely there, but um, you, I've got to be prepared for them coming up every now and again. Isn't it crazy how <clears throat> accepted it was the way parents used to hit their children? Because you back in the day, like you know, you're talking about the '60s, '70s, '80s. If you told someone you belted your child, it wasn't a big deal. No, it wasn't Today, if you went up to someone and said, "I just hit my child with a belt," they called the police on you. Back yeah, then, it was well, like, oh, I do the same thing. Yeah, in South Africa, and so I grew up in the 70s, 80s. We had capital punishment at school, so we were hit with a cane at school as well. So it wasn't just at home. If you misbehaved, you didn't get detention or had to write um, lines or anything like that. They hit you with a cane for the boys, you know. Um, so there, there was capital punishment was 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 regarded as just something that existed at the time. It's banned now. But but I mean you can't hit your child or, or you'll you'll end up being arrested now. But but in those days it was it was free for all. Yeah. So what was the um what was uh the first time you ever really interacted with like your dad when he was drunk? Like do you remember like first time you said you actually realized yourself, wow, there's something wrong with daddy right now? He's not daddy. Well, you know, so he used to um, he used to own a pool table business. He used to, you know, the coin operated pool tables, like you get in the okay. pool halls. So he, my mom used to work on the other side of town, and he would pick me up, and uh, he'd go straight to the pub, and he'd often leave me in the car. Some days he didn't fetch me from school. I'd just sit outside there, you know. And it was there was a huge sense of abandonment because I, everyone was going home, and I was I'm talking also around the age of six or seven, and. Um, I remember the I used to sit in the car and, and and was in certain areas that I would be scared, you know. And and the one time I I went I I got out the car and I went in to tell him like you know I'm scared I'm you know, and he came out the car outside and he in the back seat of the car he just pounded me. So I I I, I never I never spoke up to him like I just knew that I learned from an early age that I can't argue with this man. There's no reasoning with him. Um, you know, everything's for himself. Um, and and I, I just don't have a voice, you know. So, so yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it was tough. I didn't really have conversations. We, we did, but I, I, they just didn't hold any substance because, he, you know, there was, my home was so violent um, and so, so abusive that um, I try to avoid him at all costs, you know, that, that that's what you did. You know, you just learn to survive as a child. Um, you know, later years, um, I, you know, he would, he would, he would assault my mom, and um, and uh, later years, I'd have to put myself between her and him so that he focuses attention on me. So the physical aspect of of the abuse didn't bother me at all. Like I preferred it to the mental abuse because I, I I could handle it, and 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 uh, the mental abuse to me was far more damaging and and mm. hard to take. I've heard that before, definitely. I feel the same way also. What kind of things would he do to mentally mess with your mind? Well, so to give you a normal example of what it was like to be home, we'd, we'd often hear him come down the, the drive and 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 we'd, we'd rush to bed and, and he would start walking up and down the passage and he would call my mom a whore 
and accuse her of sleeping with this guy. But this would last for hours. And, I'm, you know, he was shouting. And we'd just lie in bed and hope that he just eventually stopped screaming and go to bed. I mean, I was called an alcoholic from as young as I can know. I mean, I was like, you know, it was always, I call it projecting blame. He felt so guilty, but just projected it on everyone else. So he'd walk up and down the passage sometimes for hours and just accuse my mom of the most, you know, she was innocent. She was, she wasn't, you know, she just... We, she, she. I don't blame her because she couldn't afford to leave. You know, he he controlled the finances and and she didn't earn much money. So sometimes he, it would it would move from the passage and he'd go into her room and start throwing things around. And as soon as I heard her screaming, then I would come rush out. And then that's when I started to put myself between him and her. So he wouldn't physically assault her; he'd rather physically assault me. And I'd get to a stage where I said, like, hit me again, hit me again. I would never show him that he hurt me. Even though I could feel the pain, I, I just something, it's almost like you go into a zone, like, you know, I'm not going to let you show that you hurt me. And then hopefully that physical abuse would fizzle out and, and he'd eventually calm down and the verbal abuse would stop along with it. You know, that's that's how, the, how my home was most nights. So what age, or I should say, uh, how did you do in school? How did all this affect your overall life outside of the home? How were friends? How was school? Things like that. Well, in in, in junior school, um, I I had redhead and freckles at school, and I I I was I was teased and bullied a lot. Um, so I, I didn't really have a safe place to go. You know, I was I was I felt like I was abandoned at school, and I I was abandoned at home, and and you know the life wasn't good. But but as I got older, um, I started to stick up for myself with the particularly with the bullies, and. Um, and uh, unfortunately, I'd take a lot of the rage that I had from home out on other kids. Um, I didn't, I wasn't a bully myself, but certainly if someone gave me a hard time, I wasn't scared to put my fists up and have a full-on physical fight, you know. So I, I think that a lot of my rage that I felt at home, I took it out at, at some of the kids on school. Yeah, we sound a lot alike. <laughs> we sound a lot alike. <laughs> I, I wasn't a bully, but... When someone picked on me, when I was younger, I didn't fight back. But once I got into high school, I started playing football and I got big and I was muscular. So it was like, if someone messed with me, the first thing I would do is just throw my fist. Yeah, I was exactly the same. And I, and I did. I got physically stronger. I did boxing. I did uh, gym. I did whatever. I did bodybuilding. I, you know, the, anything that made me physically stronger. Because I felt the better, the stronger I was physically, the more I could handle mentally. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a rationalization that you were making. Yeah. So, what was the first time you ever used any type of drug or alcohol? I, I remember it as clear as day. So, I had I had this incredible low self esteem. Um, I was socially awkward. Um, I was twelve at the time um, in grade seven and here in South Africa, and um, I went to a, a, a grade seven party at at my school. And there was a guy in the parking lot that offered me um, a drink. And I remember the first taking the first sip and it, it was like a, like a light had gone off in my head. It was, I mean, I, I, I can remember the exact moment um, because, and, and there's two reasons I think it made such an impact on me. Number one, it, it allowed me to forget what was going on. It was like an escape. And the second one is that I didn't feel socially awkward anymore. I felt like I could talk to girls. I could... I wasn't scared to 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 talk or or, or or socialize or it just took all that weight off me and 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 allowed me to 
to sort of fit in, if that makes any sense. Like, mm. I always felt sort of excluded because I was so socially awkward. Um, I don't know why. I, I think, you know, I just had such a low self-esteem. Um, and I hated what I hated myself. Um, and, uh, and yeah, the, the, the first time I drank, you know, it wasn't shortly after I had the first drink that I was blackout drinking. At the age of 12, 13, I was blackout. I was straight into it. Um, really? That young? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got pictures on my phone. Someone sent me a while ago. I think I was about fifteen. Someone's holding my head up. You know, I was, I was, I was blackout drinking. I was, I was completely trying to annihilate myself. Like I just wanted to escape, and uh, and it started getting me into a lot of trouble very quickly. Um. Yeah. What kind so of trouble? I drink at Sorry. What kind of trouble? So, I didn't drink at school, but I certainly went to places where I would black out and find, wake up the next morning in someone's yard that I didn't know. Um, when I was uh, 14, I went to a, a hotel and uh, I got very drunk and we were sliding down the staircase when we were leaving and I fell three stories uh, into the lobby of the hotel and I broke my arm in five places. And so there was a lot of, um, you know, it was starting to cause a lot of problems in my life. Uh, particular, I went, to, you know, I got caught drinking at a at a at a at another school at a at a disco. I was in the in the girls' toilets throwing up, and my headmaster came and pulled me out of there. So my mom was often being called into the school. Not for stuff that happened at school. I never drank at school, but for stuff that I was doing outside of the school, like I was getting completely wasted and and falling all over the place. I mean, it was just there was no in between for me. You know, I drank until I. I couldn't drink anymore physically and uh, and often throw up. And then, like I said, blackouts um, from a very young age. Well, it's amazing that you, such a young age you drink until you black out, you know. What kind of stuff were you drinking? I drink anything. It was it was mainly beer, but but I drink spirits, whatever whatever was going. You know, we used to get this um, um, stuff called Vincoco. Which I probably wouldn't be able to smell right now. I got sick on it so many times, and it was the cheapest you buy a bottle of it, and we'd share it between two of us. Um, it was like drinking a half a bottle of wine, or, or but anything, anything I could get my hands on. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't have a preferred drink at that age. So how did it progress how, from one day <laughs> to the next? You know how how did it start progressing for you? So. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I every weekend I went out, I, I got I got very drunk. Um, I carried on until late into my teens, um, into my into my early twenties. And you said it was uh, nightly. I'm sorry, I'm just going back one sec. You said it was nightly. I was a binge user, so it was mainly at weekends. Mean but if I got the opportunity weekend. during the week, I would do it. You know, it's, it was mainly because I was at college and I was studying at school and stuff. I couldn't go out during the week, so it would be mainly weekends. But Friday, Saturday night, I was. I was on the go, like I drink, uh, you know, as much as I could possibly get my hands on. Um, so I also had around about the age of 15, I started smoking, or maybe younger, 14, I started smoking marijuana. Um, that was what I'd do during the day. I'd go to the beach, hang out with mates there, and I'd, I'd smoke marijuana. But I, I didn't really see that as a problem. It wasn't something that I... I I, I was always searching for not like the alcohol. The alcohol was 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 definitely filled. Like I say, you know, it's probably a bad thing to say, but was there a purpose for my addiction? I think so. It was for me to escape reality. That 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 was what it was. There's no two ways about it. And um, and I, I think what was going on at home 
you know, I never spoke to anyone about what was going on at home. That, 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 that's probably the, you know, keeping that kind of stuff bottled up as uh, when you're young. I didn't think people would understand my situation. Um, and, uh, you know, we were. Now. Or you. Okay, so, yeah, the, you know, I hate to say it, but there was a purpose behind my addiction. It's certainly to escape. As I said, um, I, I never spoke to anyone. I was sworn to secrecy with my brother. We didn't talk about what was going on at home. It was a lot to 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 keep suppressed, you know, um, and it was continuous. You know, my father never really had a he never he never stopped drinking. Um, he eventually became a 24-hour drinker and and the abuse um, got worse and never got better. It, you know, the more he drank, the, the worse it got over the years. And as I grew older, the physical abuse became a lot more prevalent. Like he would he would lay into me. And I never laid a hand on him. I pushed him once. Um, when I was about 16, he, he hit me with a box, like a plastic box, and he sliced my head open here. And I remember seeing the blood come down, and it was just my reaction that I pushed him. And he went over the, the, the lounge table, and he, and he lay there holding his heart. And I, I, I mean, I'm you know, sad to say I stood there, and I said, I hope you fucking die. Excuse my language. No, But no. Um, he, he called the police on me, and uh, the police arrived at the house, and and they, they wanted to take me to jail or arrest me. And I said to them, look at me. I mean, I like, just look at me. I had blood everywhere, you know. Um, so he, he was, I, yeah, he, he, I don't know. He was just, I don't know what it was. He just, he was just so angry all the time, all the time. Like I just, I, 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 I one small step that I did wrong or anything I did wrong, it was either verbal, like abuse, and then, and then it would lead to physical. So um it progressively got a lot worse in my home also with my mother he was he was a lot harder on her he used to pull her out of bed a lot with her hair and there was just so much there was just so much going on so i think you know to 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 deal with all that um and 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 keeping all of that a secret um fed my my alcohol addiction there's no two ways about it it was it was a huge escape um so what did you do? How how did you do in school? Did this affect your life in school? It did, uh, but I I did a right at school. I was I was you know I I um I wasn't in the A class or anything, but I I did okay. I, I um there were there were times when I would come to exams and my mom would make me go stay with friends because I there was so much going on at home I couldn't even study. You know, so I hated leaving her there. Like I would, I would argue with her and say, and she'd say, Kieran, there's no ways you can study in this home. You know, it just there was too much going on. So um, I did okay. I played sports. Um, I, I wasn't a top sportsman, uh, but I did, I did everything that I felt I needed to do. And uh, I had a lot of good friends in high school. Like I, I'm not going to lie, I had a good, I had a good group of friends that. That, um, but no, no one knew what was going on. I never, I never told anyone. Like it, it was a complete secret. One or two of my friends witnessed some things that that um, that happened, um, and uh, like I was embarrassed, and I tried to explain it away. And but they weren't really aware of what was going on in my house. Um, you know, so I was naughty. I was always getting into trouble. Um, always getting into fights, as I said. Um, I wouldn't back down from anyone. I don't care how big the guy was. If he said something derogatory to me or or called me a name or whatever, I was ready to put it up. And uh, that's that's how I was. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it's uh, I, I did I got into a lot of trouble drinking. You know, the one night and I, the one night I went out and and one of the the guys at school um, was uh, derogatory towards a girl that I was with. He called her a name or something. I was I was out at a at a, at a nightclub, and uh, I beat this guy up so badly he ended up in in, in intensive care and he was he, he broken jaw and broken nose and that, that's that's how much rage I had in me you know and I I was in big trouble I had the police come to the school on the Monday um, there were attorneys involved and so I was getting into a lot of trouble outside of school like a lot of trouble uh, mainly due to my alcohol use the alcohol fueled so, your anger yeah I mean it, it, it yeah I think it, I don't think I was an angry drunk I was actually a happy drunk but I just had so much pent up frustration. I think it's more frustration than anything else. Okay. You know, I don't think it was anger. I was, I've never been an angry person. I've never hated people. I've never wanted to harm people. I just, I just, I was so frustrated with everything and, and, and just one little thing would set me off. So, you know, I don't, I've never considered myself an aggressive person like ever. Um, it's not me. Um, it's just that I had the stuff going on that, that, that that fed me, you know, it made me someone I wasn't. Um, yeah, I was always getting into fights. Though. That was that was something that that happened a lot. So, at what point? What was I guess you could say the height of your use? What? Where did you? Where was the point in your life that you were really, really at your bottom, using all you know whatever it was? So was, if I can just talk about one my, question my, to preempt that. What was alcohol just the only thing you were using? No, no, no. That's what I wanted to get into now. So okay, yeah, okay, good. I, I was an uh, early '90s child, so we went through the the rave scene, and and I got involved in that, and uh, started taking ecstasy and and uh, LSD. Um, so, but that was that was every weekend. Um, I used to go to a club and and get plastered and just dance for eight hours and that was my escape at the time I wasn't drinking as much that was my new escape um, and then um, I remember when I was about 22 um, I always said I would never progress to cocaine I always said you know what I knew my addiction I knew I had an addictive personality and and from what I'd learned uh, I knew cocaine was pushing it one step too far I knew that there was something that I shouldn't really uh, play with and uh, the one night I was I was I'd, I'd had a few drinks and a, a friend of mine I went to the toilet and he he had made a line and he said to me try it and I was like no ways there's no ways I'm going to do it but because of the alcohol it only took him a little bit to convince me and I I, I went ahead and did it and, and that was something that like caught me completely by surprise and I knew I, I, I actually not by surprise I, I should have been prepared but I but it was something that you know, I went out after that and I was just talking to everyone. I was so confident and I had so much energy. I could drink as much as I wanted to without passing out. Um, and that, that was a new level um, in terms of of where, you know, where my addiction was taking me. Um, to something that I, that that had a profound impact on, on, on me. Um, and I was hooked straight away. You know, I was, I was, I was uh, doing it every weekend. Um, and... Uh, but then, you know, so about a year after I started doing cocaine, my brother was murdered and I worked for him at the time. And um, uh, he used to own casinos. We had casinos in South Africa that were semi-legal. There was a loophole in the law and he opened a couple of casinos and 
<coughs> through a chain of events. Um, it's quite a long story, but he was murdered outside the casino the one night, one of his casinos. And, uh, you know, he, he was he was everything to me. My brother, he didn't do drugs or anything. And, and, and although he hated me doing it, he wasn't like someone that... That, that that put me down or you know he tried to encourage me like Kiran you know you need to stop drinking you know he, he was three years older than me he, he was an older brother that that really encouraged me and, and tried to get me on the right footing and he was very successful and uh, he was someone I looked up to you know throughout throughout our lives we'd been through so much together um, and we'd, we'd, we'd done we'd gone to gym together we did kickboxing together there was just we, we always you know, we, we were a big part of each other's lives, and and he was he was murdered about a year after I started doing cocaine, and um, yeah, I, I still look back to that day. It's 27, 27 years ago, you know, and I think something inside of me died that that day, you know, um, and I, I, and my addiction from that point onwards, like it just exploded, like I, I'd lost everything in my life, like sorry. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, it's hard to explain. I, I can't, I can't explain it. It was just from that day, something died inside of me with, with my brother. Um, I felt responsible for it. I blamed myself. I should have been there at the time. Um, there were so many things going through my head, and, um, and, and, and having already had a little bit of a cocaine addiction, not a little bit, but, a, but having a cocaine addiction after that event, everything just you know, my addiction became something that was uncontrollable. Um, but I, I, you know, I still, I, I met my, my wife about a, about a year after he died and I, I still got married and I still had a child and, you know, I was functional, but I was using a hell of a lot of drugs, um, uh, you know, every weekend was a, was a complete and utter bender. It was, there was no two ways about it. Alcohol, I still had a problem with, um, yeah, that, that's that's that was probably the heart of my addiction. Um, although it wasn't my lowest point, it wasn't the point where I decided to get clean. You know, um, went on for many years after that. So, at what point did you decide you needed to get clean? What what was the events so, leading up to that? Yeah, look, my wife was was um, was starting to get. She 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 used as well, but I wouldn't call her an addict. I think she used mainly because I was using. Um, but I would do faulty things, you know, I, I, I would, I would, um, you know, sexually I became someone like, like a sexual deviant and I was always doing stupid things and, and, uh, it came to a head and she eventually said to me one day, it wasn't her that actually made me, made me decide to stop. She said to me, she's had enough and, uh, you know, she, you need to sort yourself out so I remember phoning my mom, and and if you go back to when I was young, and 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 the relationship with my mom was was incredible because of that bond of me putting myself between her and my father. There's just something special that existed there. And I remember phoning her. I was in like my finances, everything. I had a job, but but financially I was in a in a very bad way, so I couldn't afford to go to rehab. So I phoned my mom, and she said to me, and it's these words that that brought me to my rock bottom initially. She said to me. Um, I phoned and I said, Mom, I need help. I, I need to go to rehab. And she knew about my drug addictions and, you know, throughout the years. And and uh, she, she said to me, I, I'm, I'm not interested. You're no longer my son. 
And I was like, wow, you know, like how low can you possibly go as a human being? Like me and my mom were super close. And um, say again, and, she said that she's going to say you're no longer her son. Yeah, she said you're no longer my son. Wow. And that, that, that for me, just like it hit me square in the gut. And I was like, you, how, how, how could you go this low? How, how could you how could you push your mom to such a place where she doesn't even want to know you? And so I, 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 started, I reached out to the AA. I started going to AA meetings. Um, and I treated it all as one addiction. I, I think, you know, if I have to look back, I, I don't, I don't, I was, uh, I was a binge drinker. And I think, I th you know, if a lot of the time, if I didn't drink, I wouldn't use cocaine. So it was almost like I, I could have one beer and suddenly I'm on the phone to the dealer and I'm, I'm you know, it, it was something that triggered me. Alcohol was definitely what triggered my cocaine use. Um, although I love cocaine, it was, it was, I think I had more of an alcohol problem than a, than a cocaine problem. Although, you know, the two together weren't good at all. No, definitely not a good combination. I know a little bit too much about that. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I used to work in New York City. So that was the thing after work, you go, go to a bar, someone breaks out the Coke in the toilet, go snort it off the back of the toilet, go back, have some beers, back to yeah. the toilet, back to the beers. So yeah, um, you just can't get enough of the stuff. It's just, it's just crazy. I mean, the amount of money I spent on cocaine is just frightening. Oh, like, it's fucking nuts. I have an app. I think it's called I Am Sober. I can open it right now. Um, it, you, you punch in how much you used to spend a day. Oh, I forget my password. Nonetheless, it tells you. So say you, I used to spend like something like maybe 30, 40 bucks a day on my habit, including like cigarettes and booze and pills. <laughs> so it takes it over the time you've been sober. I've saved like $25,000. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's ridiculous. Huge. Like you don't think about it because you go buy a pack of cigarettes for 11 bucks. I get a bottle of booze for 20. It doesn't seem a lot at the time, but you add that up over 20 years. God knows what you said. No, it's crazy. And you know what's strange, Jim, is, is like I always found the money for it. Like even when I didn't have money, I could still get, get wasted somehow. You know, I, yeah. I found a friend that that was going out and well, I, somehow I got wasted. Like I don't understand how I found the money sometimes, but I'd I'd always find the way to get to get wasted, you know, to find the coke or or so I'd get I'd do it somehow, you know. Um you know, there were times when I had no money and I still, that was my priority, you know. But my daughter was also getting to an age where um, I'm glad it was at that stage, but I, I, I did have a relapse um, 15 years later. And I'll tell you about that now. So, you know, she was she was getting to the age of eight years of age and uh, it was a good time to stop because I needed to be there as a father. And it did. I mean, I, I was able to show up as a father and, and you know, devote my life to her and, uh and I really threw myself into the program. And, um, you know, that was my only option at the time. And I think it's, um, you know, um, I, I don't know if I needed rehab. It was my willingness at the AA to learn and to, to throw myself into the program um, that enabled me to stay sober. And then eventually I, I, started, a, I, I started a group at a church and, and grew this ministry um, uh, where we, we, we had a, addiction meetings, family and friends meetings. I had info evenings um, and I used to spend a lot of time, uh, you know, Alex could phone me at three o'clock in the morning, even though I was working a full-time job and I'd be there. So I, I really threw myself into the recovery space. Like I, I really, I, I enjoyed working with people. I enjoyed helping people. Um, and, I, and I think that's, you know, that's sort of what kept me going for all those years. Um, it's kept me sober is, is, is living in, within that space.
Yeah. So the rehab really helped you, huh? Rehab for 15 years, qualified addiction coach, um, helping people for the last 12 years. And uh, my mom got sick with, um, with she, she, had, she had cancer. Um, I was told in October 2020, <coughs> um, 2020, yeah, October 2021, I think, that she had cancer. And, um, you know, it's kind of strange because I thought my mom was the only person that understood me because she was there when we went through all the shit. Um, she knew she was one of the only people that knew I'd been sexually abused. Um, and uh, when I heard she was sick, I felt hopeless and I felt like I was going to lose the only person that really understood me. I, something went, something triggered in my head. I was, I was on medication at the time for anxiety and depression. Um, and I started abusing those meds. Um, and then slowly after she died, um, all this childhood trauma started coming back. I thought I dealt with it. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm, you know, I was relating to earlier. There were memories that I had. One of them was being abused, my mom, sexually abused by my father, which I never knew existed. Someone sent me a photo one day of um, one of the American presidents. He's, he's a very big Trump fan. And he sent me a photo of, 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 of his opposition in the bath with two girls. And I was, and something triggered in me and I phoned him and I said, Bria, that, that photo has just freaked me out. And uh, I, about an hour after that happened, the penny dropped and I realized that we were abused in the bath. And, um, and yeah, I just, you know, after my mom died, um, my, I, I've got three sisters who's, who've always looked down on me. I felt like they'd abandoned me. Um, and, and I started abusing Xanax and I ended up um, using a whole pile of drugs over 15 days. And, and for the first time went to rehab last year, which I think was the best experience I've ever had in my life because I dealt with my brother's death and I dealt with all the trauma and I, I feel better than I ever have felt because I felt, as I said, when my brother died, something inside of me died and I feel like I've all got all that back now, you know, but I did relapse and, um, you know, it's, 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 it, it sets you back. I mean, it really does, especially with my daughter. It's taken me a long time to get our relationship back and it was really good before I relapsed. Um, but it's just, it's just, made me realize you know and i had stepped away from the ministry um with helping addicts um but it's made me realize you've always got to be on guard you know um, yeah. <clears throat> um things things that me especially um, emotionally um i was taken to dark places and uh emotionally i was a mess and uh, the only thing I, I i started to hate myself again which i hadn't done for many years I remember I stood in front of the mirror one day with a knife in my hand. I wanted to slice my face open. That's how much I hated what I saw. And um, and and I ended up in a very dark place and ended up using it again. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's I, I, not in a million years that I think it would ever happen after having 15 years of sober, you know. Um, I just, it, it, I didn't think it would ever happen, but it did. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen. This could be the littlest thing that triggers something. That's why we got always keep on our toes, be on guard. So no, for sure. what's life like for you nowadays? So, you know, when I, when I ended up in rehab, I, I, I wanted to work on, I wanted to get back to where I was before my brother died. It might sound strange, but um, I felt like that was my best years. Those were my best years. So I wanted to work on everything. I wanted total life balance. I didn't want to just be in recovery again. I wanted to, I, I wanted to not only, 
have to avoid tr triggers. I want to overcome them. I still want to have fun. I love music. I want to go to concerts. I want to, but I want to be strong enough to like drugs are just not an, not even a, an issue. And um, it's it's just made me realize as well. If I am having problems, I need to reach out. I, some things I can't do on my own. I need to reach out and have a chat to someone or just lean on someone for a little bit of information. But uh, I, I'm at the best I've ever been. I, I, I can honestly say that mentally I'm better than I've ever been. Physically, I've, I've just you know I've got fit. I've, I've, I eat healthily. So I'm trying to go for total life balance, and that's you know that's what I where I feel like I'm at right now. Um, as I say, rehab. I spent only 28 days there, but but I really threw myself and I wanted to figure out what went wrong. How did how did you go wrong after after 15 years sobriety? And and I feel like I figured it out. Like and I feel like I'm at my best that I've ever been. Um, it's just yeah, I feel great. That's amazing. You've had quite the journey. You have quite the story. So again, towards the end here, let me ask you this. Do you have any advice for people that are watching and listening? Anything that you think might help them through a tough time? Look, I, I think you've got to you've got to surround yourself with the right people. Um, that's something I learned when I was in rehab. I had I had a lot of people that were negative influences in my life. I had good friends that brought me down. Um, I, I think you've got to choose your tribe very wisely the people you hang out with the people you spend time with they've got to be a positive influence they've got to have your best uh, best um interests at heart um you know and, and cut out the cut out the toxicity there's a lot of toxic people out there and i've learned just to cut them all out the other thing is is to look after yourself you know get fit eat properly do whatever you need to because the better you feel physically as i said earlier the better you're going to feel mentally you know and um you know, it's all about mindset at the end of the day. You know, you've got to want sobriety. Um, I, I can, within a couple of minutes of meeting people that come into recovery, you can tell whether they're going to recover or not because they have the, they either have the, the recovery mindset or they have the addictive mindset. Stop blaming, stop doing all that kind of thing. Just focus on yourself. And I, I believe, you know, 80% of the job's done if, if you look after yourself. You know, you can't, you, can't, you can't change what people do out there. It's going to take time to repair relationships. It's going to take time to get your life back on track. Be patient, but just keep on pushing forward. Some good advice you got there. Patience okay. and keep moving. So that's some good advice you got there. Patience and keep moving forward. That's absolutely precious. That's a, yeah. Couldn't say it better myself. So did you have anything else you want to add in before we go? No, I think that's, that's it. I just want to thank you for having me on here all the way from. No, you did America. awesome. I really want to thank you for coming <laughs> on, man. It was a blast. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Well, sit tight for me for just a moment. Everybody watching and listening, if you like what you saw and heard, go below and give us a like. Also, subscribe to see when we upload new videos. You can also check us out on all social media, which is Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. You name it, we're on it. I also suggest checking out our website. That's www.addicts-anonymous.com. There's plenty of free resources as well as free literature. Addicts Anonymous also finally released the book, Addicts Anonymous, Our Stories. It'll be available, or I should say it is available on Kindle and Amazon right now. It'll be available on a bunch of more platforms within the next few months. Um, so hopefully you can grab a copy of that. I hope you enjoy it if you do. So that's all we have for today. I really want to thank you for watching and hopefully we catch you next time.